Hi, this is Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. I'm Jason Reed, and this is Vicki. Abelson. <laughs> well, it, it, it'll just take us a few weeks to get this right. Christina, I think I didn't turn the sound off on my phone. So, do we all have everything turned the sound off? I think I didn't turn the sound off on my phone. And I'm afraid if you touch it now, it's going to get all focked, right? So, and then maybe go. So, so let's try it again, Jason. Sounds like a plan to me. Vicky. Okay, let's go. I'm busting his balls so bad. He is gonna hit. It's gonna be like he's gonna be like my kids. Like, why does she do this to me? Come on, Jason. Let's do the opening of the show again. I'm a little sore, admittedly, already. <laughs> Go ahead. Hi, this is Game Changers with Vicky Abelson. I'm Jason Reed, and this is Vicky Abelson. <laughs> yes, it is. Hi out there. How are you? Hi, Jason. Hi, I'm busting his balls. Jason is my handsome uh, wingman here, and. Uh, <laughs> And yes. it's stressful because there's a lot, there's a lot, a live show is intense because there's a lot going on. We're doing all this stuff before we start and, you know, I, I, I get it. And, um, you know, I, I think of it as being silly because I've been doing it for so long, but this is brand new for you. You're good at it. Admittedly, no. there's a little bit of getting into the swing of things for me, but I'll have it. No, no, weeks. you know. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you can, without too much preparation, be Jason. I certainly hope so. I, there you go. No. I think I think this is a doable thing. I think it is. Okay, so I just want to say that. So last week I was talking about the fact that I had finally gotten my driver's my California driver's license after 13 years. I finally I finally <laughs> took a test and got my. So today I received my license. I was going to show it on the air. Do you know why I won't, Jason? Why won't you show your? Okay. <laughs> okay. Why? I'm gonna have some water. There you go. Okay, so, 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 the, so the thing is that I'm the idiot that goes on the dating apps and puts my real age. I do. I'm 62. I put that on there, right? But then what happens is all these people that I'd want to date because I like, I mean, young. So, yes, that's very nice. But so all these, so, so what happens is that all the guy, a lot, most of the guys like in their 50s and 40s, they won't go that high. They don't want to go that high. So they don't even see me. But anyway, on my license, when they asked my my weight, I not only told the truth, I added five pounds. I, I don't know what I, so I saw my license and I'm like, so now I feel like I have to have a cop pull me over so I can say, I'm not really, that is not true. Can you like type that in and send that in please, that that is misinformation? So, so now I'm mortified that this weight is going to be on my license for like three, and I'm on Jenny Craig, I'm going to lose more. They're not, they don't believe the age. They're not going to believe the weight either. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's mortifying. Oh you my look God. fantastic. Well, okay. So anyway, it's been, it's been an interesting week for me, Jason, because um, since I saw it, and Christina, hi, Christina Goose. Hey, hi, me. Um, back there taking taking video, taking photographs, being all fabulous. Um, so last week after the show, yeah. you know, I've been seeing this guy. I've oh, talked about him. I've heard about this guy, yes. He broke up with me on Thursday. I was on my way to go see him. Christine, Christina's jaw just dropped <laughs> all the way down. He broke up with me. And he did it. I was I was literally about to get in the car within a half hour to go down and spend the day with him. Yeah. And he broke up with me. And on I had, your way down. To see well, him. I hadn't quite gotten on my way down. I was about to get on my way down, but um, uh, it was pretty weird because there had been. 
it was pretty weird. I mean, not to say that we didn't have our challenges. We definitely had our challenges, but none of the challenges involved how we got along. We always had incredible fun and uh, got along absolutely wonderfully. The challenges had to do with circumstance. But it, I, so I don't want to say I was blindsided because there were things, right? But, but I was blindsided that day. And um, so I had, did I talk last week about the card that, that um, Stephanie Weaver sent me, the, the deck of cards to manifest? And, and the card that I read when I came home from New York said, change your story. Did we talk about this last week? Very slightly. We Very, touched on it. We touched on it. Okay, so what the card basically said is whatever your story is, forget the pros, forget the cons, tell the story you want to manifest, right? Absolutely. So I was telling the story how I had done it with the fob of my car and then it ended up working. So the next day, before I was going down to see the guy, that morning, I did the story the way I wanted it to be, that everything was wonderful and all of our challenges were lifted, and then like five minutes later, he broke up with me, and I'm like, this damn manifesting thing doesn't work. It doesn't work. But I realized it wasn't that. It was that I can't manifest somebody else's reality, number one, and I also cannot manifest something that, not, that is not for my betterment. God only wants, the universe only wants what's good for me. So clearly that situation wasn't, and he needed to go, you know, do what he had to do for him, and, um, <laughs> and I was forced to do what he wanted to do for me. No, and, and, and it's better for me too. So I had forgotten that a couple of months ago, Rumor, who is like, right, our favorite, and Christine, you're allowed to speak. You, you don't have to be silent back there. You can laugh, you can speak. We know you're there. We want to hear from you. Right? We love Rumor. Rumor's yes, amazing. She's great. One of the best singers of all time. She she did a great uh, Daryl's Place with, with mm -hmm. Daryl Hall. Is it called Daryl's Place or Daryl's House? Daryl's House. Daryl's Place? Whichever one it is with Daryl Hall, she did an amazing, and they did an amazing version of I Can Go For That. I oh, can yeah. Go for that that oh! was brilliant. Fantastic. Um, it's just amazing. But anyway, so Rumor sent me this video. It was actually when I first started seeing this guy, and I was already having grief. You know, already in tumult. We hadn't first started seeing him, but I'd only been seeing him for. You know, that's another thing. When when relationships are challenging at the beginning, starts in tumult. When, it, when yeah, it didn't start in tumult, but within a few weeks there was tumult. That's mm -hmm. a sign. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, it should be easy. Mm -hmm. Things should flow. Mm -hmm. What? So so it wasn't necessarily out of the blue. Well, well, there was a was, lot of... There was stuff brewing. There was the, circumstantial. Well, there, was, there was always stuff, but, yeah. but the bottom line was that we just really got along great. You know, we just really had fun mm. and liked each other, right? So, yeah, so there was that. So yeah. anyway, but there was this tumult. So Rumor sent me this video that I can't remember the reverend's name, but if he, he basically does this little three-minute preach. If somebody walks away, let them go. Right. They are not part of your destiny. They are not tied to you. If someone is tied to you, they will not leave. Whoever the universe God intends for you to be is going to be. And if they leave, then they're not part of your story. Anymore. They're not part of your story. And you've got to let them go. Let them go. Yes. And, um, and so today, when I was thinking about you know, telling you about this whole breakup thing, I 
I didn't even push it. It's so weird. All of a sudden, I just heard the video, and the reverend is screaming, let them go! And it's just, it's like, and I'm like, thank you, I forgot about this video. Thank you, rumor. It's like so wonderful, but but it's really the truth, and it's not that the person is a bad person. No, And no. it's not that they did anything wrong, right? They're Neither doing, did you. Maybe, maybe. Uh, no, I no, I believe that I didn't do anything. I believe I brought pretty much my best. I, you know, I made some... I, oh, I'm human. Uh, we all make errors. Right. Um, you know, we all make errors in judgment. And, and if I had it to do all over again, would there would there be things I might do differently? Maybe a couple things I might do differently. But for the most part, here's the other part. The other part is that if I can't be 100% who I am authentically with all my mistakes and all my foibles, and if that is unattractive to someone, then I'm not their girl. They're not my guy. Yeah. Because I'm going to be human yeah. always. And I'm going to make mistakes always. And I'm going to be human always. So if, if, if I, I find that when I really like somebody, the stuff that they fuck up is kind of cute. I mean, it may be annoying at the time, but it's never something that's... I'm not... You know, it, it comes down to, I think, conditional and unconditional love. Sure. Right? And for me, you know, love was very conditional growing up. And, you know, if I didn't do, you know, then it's not, it's not that the people close to me didn't still love me, but the treatment didn't feel very loving. And um, I hope that um, my children never feel that way with me. I hope they always feel, no matter what happens, um, don't do anything bad. That, um, that I will always love, you know. So anyway, so I think that when people are turned off by something that somebody does or something's offensive, it's because it's not a good fit. Because when you really care, when it's a good fit, somebody's humanity doesn't get in the way. So I don't think it was my humanity that got in the way at all. I mean, it was mostly circumstantial, it was circumstantial stuff. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't mean to go on and on about this. My, my main point is that I can write another story. So, Oh, yes, you can. Right? Go ahead. The other thing that is just coming to mind is of the long list of things that are great about you that I've learned so far is you are very authentic. <laughs> Can't be. She's, she's <laughs> laughing because she knows that's true. Well, th th yeah. <laughs> you are very authentically you. So if you put that forward <laughs> and some, some guy mm -hmm. isn't finding that just fantastic, then absolutely move on. There's going to be another, a, a better one or a better 10 or... Well, it's not, it's not, I, I thank you, Jason. Thank you. It's That's true. And, and, I, I, and I think it's less about better than just better suited for me. It has sure. to be somebody that gets a kick well, out of it. that's what better means. Because you know what else was crazy? This, he never read my stuff. He never watched my stuff. He had no interest in, in, in my art. Hmm. Now, maybe it was self-protective because um, I tend to be a little too confessional. But, um, but, you know, I really want to be with somebody who really likes that part of this yeah, part of my life. somebody gets you. Yeah, this is, a huge, sure. this is a huge part of my life. Right. And so, um, of course, my reaction to um, being dumped is to get right on the bumble and right on the tinder and open up the hinge and fuck you. So, girl. so right, because you yeah. gotta get back on. You gotta get back on the B. You gotta close the the door. You gotta <laughs> shiver me tinder. You gotta do the stuff <laughs> and just you know keep moving because I can get paralyzed because the last time 
that I had a relationship in, I got paralyzed for like a number of months. In a way, it was a good thing because I stopped being obsessed with men for the first time in my life and I focused on myself. You know, that was another thing. I realized that because we were texting 24 seven, I hadn't written an article in like six weeks. Mm. What's up with that? And like, as soon as he dumped me, I've been writing for like four days, you know? I've been writing like a little crazy person and getting things done. And that wasn't his fault, that was my fault, you know, getting too caught up. But anyway, so I got back on the apps and, and, and what's happened is I've met a couple of really nice people. You know, nothing that's, you know, I, you know I've just met, and, and the first person I met is somebody that just really appreciates everything that I do and is probably watching. Hi, Jamie. And he's lovely and he's far away and, and so he's just been a lovely, um, just been a lovely person. And, um, and yeah, and, and there, there's somebody else incredibly inappropriate that I won't even name uh, age-wise, but, um, but he's lovely and he's been making me laugh and he's so much fun. And um, anyway, so there's life after heartbreak and um, I'm trying to rewrite my story and to not focus on what hurts, but to focus on the, the story that I want to have. So I, I'm in a perfect partnership with my perfect partner, who is in perfect partnership with me, having the time of my life, the best sex, the most fun, the greatest romance, there, you have it. So um, let's see how long it takes me to manifest that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to manifest, Jason? I want to manifest this perfect guy for you. I think oh, you are oh, Jason! <laughs> this is why he's my wingman, I love him, Jason. Right? such an enormous list. Let's One see. thing. All right. Um, let's let's put it out there to the universe. Let's what's Jason manifesting? Hmm. One thing. One thing. All right, while Jason's thinking, Christina, what are you oh, manifesting? Oh no. Oh come no. on. One thing. I want to buy a house. Buy a house. Okay, Christina wants to buy a house. That's a good Okay, thing. Jason, what do you want? You know, it's funny you say that, Christina. I was actually going to use that one myself. Oh, I'm sorry. I just All right. But you get that one. <laughs> All right. So, so How about a I car? Would, Car and a guy. Okay. Come on! Um, you know, I could name 30 record, things. Okay, I got one. Record a really good song with a really good producer. Okay, now Ooh. the way we do that is I am recording right now a great song with a great producer. We say it in the present tense. It is our story. I, I want a, a house. I want a great house. I bought a great house. I bought a really beautiful That's house by saying. the ocean. There you go. It's yeah. not lying. It's manifesting. So okay, when we I tell like our it. story, we, we catch ourselves when we say, I want. Because you know what? When we put out to the universe, I want, the universe hears that and they don't give it to us because it's in the future. The mm. universe only gives us what we know what's right now. I'm making so much fucking money, I don't even know what to do with it. Anyway, but one thing that I do with it is I buy fuck off hairspray. Fuck off! Do I love my hairdresser? Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon. Fuck off hairspray. You can get it from the Ruby Begonia Salon. You can get it from friendsbeautysupply.com. Do I love her? A woman after, and she just did my hair. Beautiful. And uh, do is that I what you're wearing right now? Is that I, I am not wearing any hairspray at the moment. No. <laughs> but I am wearing other products of hers. And here's her purple shampoo. Ooh. And here's her um, her leave-in treatment. Um, her products are fantastic. Where do you get them? And you get them at the Ruby Begonia Salon or at friendsbeautysupply.com. 
Okay. And then also I want to talk about Rick Smolke for a minute. Rick Smolke is my angel. He is my hero. He has been an ardent supporter of Women Who Write from the first year, um, giving free swag to us, uh, tissue boxes, that our own tissue boxes, pads that say Women Who Write on them, all kinds of things. And he's made my bookmarks and my business, woo, and my business cards. That's okay, I need one. There you go, and my business cards. And the thing about Rick Smokey is if you tell him that you are a friend of mine, of, you are a friend of ours, of Game Changers, of Vicki Abelson. Rick takes care of everybody, but if you tell him you're a friend of the show, he's gonna take such good care of you, and they do great work, and he's a really philanthropic person. He gives so much to charity, he gives so much of his time, and money, and effort, and talents. And um, that, those are the kind of people we want to support. So if you need anything printed for Nick's gigs or we'll anything, will. He, will, okay. he will take. He has never charged a band for their liner notes, for their CDs, ever. Wow. He, he does them for free because he believes in art. That's the kind of guy he is. So Rick Smokey, quick, quick impressions in Chicago. We love him. So now let's talk about our guest tonight. We've le I've left her sitting in the kitchen for like three hours. <laughs> I made her get here early, and she's sitting in the kitchen for like three hours. Now we have to talk about her behind her back. Um, to her face, because she's, I can't see her, so it's behind her back. But anyway, I, I don't know how much you guys know about Kathy Ladman, but for me, I have been a fan of Kathy Ladman's for as long as I can remember, from her, you know, Tonight Show appearances. Kathy was on Caroline in the City. Currently, she's on I'm Dying Up, there, up Here. She's got a recurring role. She's doing a play right now. I'm so excited. I'm going go see Kathy. I'm, I'm looking at the name, because I can't remember anything. But wait a minute, I gotta get the name of the show right. Um, oh, where is it? Kathy, what's the name of the show? Wait. Jews. Jews. Christians. Christians and, and Stalin. And Stalin. Jews, Christians, <laughs> and screwing Stalin. And we're gonna talk about it with Kathy. I am so excited to go see it. Kathy is hysterical. She's not only a fantastic comedian, but she's also a wonderful actress. She's been on Modern Family. She's been on Gilmore Girls. Uh, she, uh, yeah, this is the wrong, um, this is the wrong thing that I'm looking at. Uh, I'm gonna start reading somebody else's credits about Kathy. I know Kathy and I know her work. And do you know, Kathy and I have done shows. <laughs> we have done, sh this'll be our third time together in this living room, but Kathy also drove with me up to Monterey and we did um, Women Who Write, which Michael Nesmith pr uh, produced. And we did it at the Henry Miller Library. And Kathy and I did a road trip together to Girls in the Car, oh, so fun. fun. And then I did Women Who Write, we did Women Who Write in the street in NoHo at some arts fair. And she came and we were like, we were on the street like doing our thing for like four people. It was so, it was, and Lori Lieberman, we were like all there. So it was, it was, but Kathy's just one of those people that if I call and I ask, and if she possibly, she just says yes. Mm. She's a yes, she's fantastic. I love, and she's always got, and she's got the best smile, as you were noting before. She like, knows. The best she smile knows. ever. She's gorgeous. She's, she's, talk about authentic. And, and the thing, mm. the thing that I love most about Kathy is that she has embraced her humanity in such a profound way and made it part of her art in a way that is, absolutely game-changing for so many people a friend of our daughters right now and we'll talk about that too and um, so now I um, I want to bring out my my friend that I adore and one of the most talented hysterical fantastic comedian actresses in the world Miss Kathy Ladman Yay! Yeah, you come here. Jason's bringing you a chair. Oh, okay. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> Kathy, I 
just want to say, Jules Galley, it's your fault that I've been trying the red. Well, it's not your fault. I was doing it for you. And happy 25th birthday. Another one who is uh, not jailbait, but oh my God. Have you seen him? Is he gorgeous? No. Oh, God. He, he performed here a couple months with Bless in July with Michael Imperioli. Oh, yeah? He's going to be cute. He's going to be. have something? You know, a little, little I have schmutz? Mascara. A little, little schmutz. A little thing, mascara. You're good now. You're good. I'm now. good. So, Kathy, since I yes. just mentioned the show, tell, yes. us, tell us about Jews and. Jews, Christians, and Screwing Stalin. It's about. It's written by Mark Lano and Joanne Astro, directed by Mark Lano, and it's based on Mark's life. Uh, oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, growing up and mm -hmm. living in his grandmother's uh, um, rooming house. And in, in, where, Brighton, where? in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. Oh, oh! So you get the New York accent. So well, I'm, you. I'm the grandmother, and I you speak, are a grandmother. Yes, and I speak with a uh, Yiddish accent. Wow! Is it that kind of natural? Did you have? Did you have to learn? It was nice. It came quite natural. Oh my God! It's very fun. It's very fun. Did Did you have to study? Um, you mean the accent? The accent. No, because. Because from growing up with my grandparents, it um, it just kind of happened for me. Do you do voices? Do you do accents and dialects and stuff? I have a pretty good ear. Yeah, I have a pretty good ear. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but this one in particular, you know, this is very disconcerting. Because I'm, you, you can know, see yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing myself at a, at a different it, it, um, at a different time. Oh right, there's a time. There's a time. There's a lag, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's okay. I'll, I'll, Linda okay. Apsey is saying hello. All right, so wait, I'm going to say hi to people. Let's look at the people who are. Is that there. how you say her last name? Apsey. It is. What did you say? I always thought it was Abs. Well, Abs. no, Abs is like her nickname. Oh. Hi, okay. Abs. But it's Linda Apsey. Okay. And there's Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie, I was talking about you. Did you hear? So wait, Curtis, hi, John, let's see, Charlie, Sharon, Eileen, Penny, 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 Penny lost her pug this week. Yes, I, I know. So much love to you, Penny. I've been thinking about, I'm going to cry now. I've been thinking about you so much and love you so it's much. It's the hardest thing to And, and you, have, you have babies that you, you have baby well, doggies that you Well, love. I had... I had to, but Preston, um, oh, yeah. we had to put Preston down two years ago, I know. So you know exactly. Oh, it's so hard. It's oh, the yeah. worst. Oh, yeah, it's the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a um, He was a little, uh, uh, I have rescue dogs, so he was um, oh. a... Um, uh, They're the best. Like, uh, no, a Westy oh. West mix, mm -hmm. and Chappie is a Wheaton mix. But Chappie's still around. And yes, mm -hmm. and he's like he's got some albinism, so he has a pink nose and mm -hmm. very very pale eyes. Um, he's a cutie. I though. adore him. He's a cutie. Oh yeah. So okay, so, so let's go back to shows. And yes, and um, so I play I play the grandmother, and how are um, you playing a grandmother? <laughs> it has to be very young children. No, um, well. Uh, my grandson is um, supposed to, in this is supposed to be twenty four. Your grandson is twenty. Come yes, on. and I'm I'm, so I'm, my, I'm in my late sixties. Uh, all right, I just want to say, but in actuality, mm -hmm. I'm almost I'm almost sixty three. I'll be sixty three next month. You and I are almost twins from different parents because our birthdays are like. If right. twins could be two weeks apart, the 29th. Right, and I'm, and I'm exactly two weeks apart, and I'm the 15th, right? So yes, we're like, right. don't we look at you? So, we're, we're, but, um, okay, so you're playing old, you're playing older. Yes, 
But I definitely, I mean, you'll, you'll see. I mean, I look, I look older on stage. I mean, some people, some people said you're too, you look a little too young. But, mm -hmm. but you'll see. I wear a schmata. I saw you have a schmata in your yeah, hair. Yeah, and, and I have a thing, a little like piece of gray bun that I wear. Oh, nice! It's good. It's good. It's good. It's very fun. It's very fun. So I was going to ask. So with a title like that, is it? Because I, I saw one photograph of all of you, like a cast picture, and yes. it's very stern. Yes. So I was like, oh no, is this going to be a heavy drama? No, no, it was just, that was just a stylized photo. Okay. But, um... Because you can do that as well. I, yeah. I know that you can do that as well. But I mean, it's a mixture. It's a yeah. mixture. Well, the best um, things are. But it's, so it's based on his life uh, growing up with, and, and it's about his dad, and, and, um, his, um his wife to be and uh and, and anyway you'll see it but so but we're doing a, i want to say that we're doing a benefit yes and i'm going to be there that night on monday the 17th next this coming monday which is september 17th 2018 in case anybody's watching this at some other time right thank you very much um 2018 did you say i did i say a different year did i say the wrong year you said september 17th 2018 May have said 2017. Okay, it's 2018. whatever. It's 2018. So, and who's um, the benefit for? It's for Carrie Snow, our her. dear friend Carrie, who had um, st a stroke recently, and she's doing great. Her speech is great, but she needs some physical rehab, and and so that's what we're raising money for. That's so wonderful that you guys are doing it. And so, tell us about for those of you who are in LA or in the neighboring area, you have four shows left. We have five shows left. Oh, I okay. So three um, this coming weekend: Saturday night, Sunday matinee, and Monday night. And then the following weekend, we have Saturday night and Sunday matinee. Okay, so, so there's five the 20, shows left. The twenty third is the last. And the theater is the Matrix. The Matrix on Melrose. Okay, so I'll have the link for Kathy's show in in the notes for this. And um, a shout Kathy. out to my wonderful manager uh, Judy Orbach, who helped facilitate Jeez. everything. She's so good. She's amazing. She's great. And what I love about Judy is that she has so much joy. I know from her clients. I mean, she genuinely love it, it, it. There's so much love and joy around everything that you do. Like every time you have a victory or any of her clients. I know do. she's so positive. She's just so loving and supportive, and it's not. You know, it's so much more than the money. It's not the money. I can tell it. It's the heart. It's the yes, soul. Yes, she really, she really has a special connection with every one of her clients. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to do. I feel so lucky. That she, I mean, she's a friend also, yes. but that she's um, my manager. I just feel really. That's that's extra, that's wonderful. And my agent's also coming on that night. Okay, and Jennifer Garland, Circle Talent. And she's been my agent for a while. And she's been doing really good things because you've been yes. working your ass. You know, I just want to say, about a year ago, maybe it was a little more. You did the show, it uh, when it was a podcast when we weren't on, when we weren't. Oh video, right, right. I was on, and you were on the and you did it on the New York. That's right. And um, it was a different time in your life. Yes. It was right before things started to pop. Right, but but see, I have to say that in this business, things go yes. up and they go down. Yes. Things go up and they go down. So always, but but it's not just the business. It's you. It's you're different now. There's there's an energy about you now that's very positive. Really, very. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to laugh out loud, Christina. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no, um, your vibe is very different. I don't know. I still get really well. Well, you're human. I'm so anxious. You're human. So, all right. Okay. So, 
Mm-hmm. All right, so we talked about the show. Before we talk about more current events, I'm dying up here and stuff. Let, let's talk, let's go back because okay. let's talk about where you come from and okay. how you came to be funny. Well, I think Who, I, who's funny in your house? Well, my father was very funny. Yeah, my father was really funny. He was also very, very frightening. He was so scary. Wait, how can he be scary and funny at the same time? Don't they don't go know. hand in hand? Why? Do Doesn't they? that go hand in hand? Sometimes. I mean, I don't think I'm scared. <laughs> but uh, he was really, he he was really scared. Like like hitting. Like strict. Scared. Yeah, he hit. Yeah, yeah. He hit. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, but he was all, he was very witty, very witty guy, smart. Both my parents uh, are very were at are were. My mother's still alive. She's right. ninety six. And wow. Um, yeah, I know. That's amazing. It is. She'll be 97 in February. Does she get upset when you say her age? No. My, 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 if I said my mother's age, oh my God, i get killed. But anyway. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but um, She looks unbelievable. My mother is so hot. My mother is gorgeous, She is beautiful. She gets on the treadmill every day. She looks amazing. You just said... She oh, looks gorgeous. She gets on the treadmill like every that? day. Wow. And she has like cute hair and cute yes. makeup and cute clothes. Where does she live? She lives in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. She's wow. a happy day. Does she live by herself? <laughs> well, or? she's single now because she's a widow. Her, right. Her husband know, died last right. year. So, so that's another but thing. But does she live in an apartment? She lives in, yeah, she has a wonderful apartment. Wow. And, and um, except when I crash it. Right. And she gives me her bedroom, Lucky. which was very nice. Aww. Two weeks in New York. Okay, so let's get to, yes. so so your father was what did he do for a living? He well he was a CPA but he um is for my whole life he owned a bowling alley. Oh fun. Oh, with, with oh. Three, three uh, partners and then four and then and then and then a fourth partner. I had my own bowling ball when I was <laughs> I loved to bowl. Did you have one of those clocks <laughs> that you used to go like that to polish it? I didn't polish it. But I had the case and the shoes. Oh, God. Did you have a soft case or a hard case? I had a soft, I had a soft case. And you had the shoes? Too? I had the shoes. They Which were beige. Were I, well, in the Bronx and in Queens. Right. And But I didn't I didn't get my own ball until I was like a, a high teenager. Until I was like 15 or 16. And then well, I didn't have I didn't have my own uh, ball or... Uh, I, I, the shoemaker's daughter doesn't have shoes. Right. But I, but I didn't even want it. I didn't even want it. You didn't want, want a ball? You know, first of all, his bowling alley was 25 miles from our house. Oh, so, where was the so bowling alley? Massapequa Park. Oh, okay. So, so was he always there? Um, he was there a lot. Mm-hmm. He was there a lot. Um, and he would leave the house at like 7 in the morning or mm-hmm. something like that. And he got home at 7, 7.30 at night. So now how did the humor, how did, because I'm trying to get the scary and the funny I'm trying to think of anybody I know that's scary and funny. I'm trying to think of an example of a person that can be scary. Maybe and it's funny. more f- sad and, and funny. People that sad, are, yeah, sad, sad and funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, that is common. Sad yeah. and funny. That I know every comedian I know is sad. But you and don't funny, know. But... You don't know people who had strict fathers who were also funny. I don't know. I'm tr- I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of any offhand. Oh, okay. All right, that's interesting. Let's see if I can think of somebody. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to like sit here. No, no, no. Don't think silence. about that. So no. So and so, tell me about your mother. Um, my mother was not funny. Is not funny. Um, <laughs> that is well, funny. She's, funnier. she's old. She's funnier now. Does she like to laugh? Um. Yeah, but she. 
I said English ones, mm. believe it or not. I can't believe, because I can't believe my mother didn't force me forced me to say a Hebrew prayer, but everything was just shoved down my throat. So, so I said my prayers, and then I would do a selection off the album for my mother. And she the prayers know, first. Right. But she didn't know what to make of it. You know, she was like, oh, that's, that's nice. And she really had no, no idea what I was doing. Did she sit and, on the side of your bed? My yeah. father used to sit on the yeah, side of the bed? Yeah, on the edge of the bed. Yeah. And, um, and then, um, so then, Years later, I mean, like years later. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to skip some steps okay. to the story because I had uh, encounters, uh, an encounter with Mike Nichols for an audition, and then I had an encounter with him at the Comedy Awards, and he signed my album. But so I I did um, two films with him actually, and the first film I did with him was Gary Shandling's film uh, What Planet Are You From, which. It was not a great movie, but it was a the thrill. experience. It was a thrill to do. I did. I had a scene with Annette Benning and oh. my friend Bill Dwyer, and I did it together. And um, and uh, so, bef but before we shot, we were um, up in the uh, Antelope Valley at his private home, and um, we were outdoors. And Mike was uh, setting up a shot with his uh, DP, mm -hmm. director of photography, and um, it's Christina. Right, it's just Christina. It's exactly the same thing. And uh, with Michael Valhouse. And, um, um, and I just just randomly happened to be, oh, I, I should, let me go back. Yeah. One of the, the first cut on the album is called More Gauze. And it's about uh, an operating room, a nurse and a, a surgeon in an operating room, and they're having like this, like kind of, Romantic fight over over the patient, and it goes gauze, gauze, more 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 gauze. We don't have any more gauze. That's all the gauze. I don't know what happened. It's more gauze. Okay, give me a clamp, clamp. Suture, you have a suture. Sponge, you have a sponge. Eat it. Yes, I love you. Please. So, so um, so I'm standing like I just happened to be randomly standing shoulder to shoulder with my nickels. And, Not a best place to be standing. And um, he's setting up the shot, and then there was some quiet while they were moving lights and cameras around. And uh, I don't know what came over me. I didn't even think about it. And I said gauze, and he said gauze, and I said more gauze, and he said more gauze, and, and we just started doing. It. But what happened was I was playing his part, oh. and he was playing Elaine May's part. So I got confused, and, and I said. You don't know what it's like to be doing this with Mike Nichols, and he said, "You don't know what it's like to be Mike Nichols." <laughs> and I was just so thrilled. And, and my husband and my stepdaughter happened to be visiting me that day, so oh. I ran over to where they were. And I, but every time I tell the story, the heroes of the back. I, 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 mine are. And um, I told them what happened, and it was, oh, it was just the most thrilling experience. And it brought my life in a circle, you know, Absolutely. from when I was eight to when I was—I don't even know how old I was then. I must have been in my. Uh, 40s. I that guess. is late 40s. That is early 40s. That's one of those moment. moments that is makes life worth living. That is that is yeah, so huge. It really, it really was a big. It was a big. Um, it, it like made my raison d'etre sort of come, like crystallize. Did it, Did his appreciation show? Um, He's very dry. So yeah. I, uh, I wasn't looking at him. Okay. I mean, uh, I, I don't yeah. think, 
don't think so. He's he's he he had a lot of self confidence. Let me let me say uh, he was very confident in who he was. So yes. he wasn't um, he overly um, uh, gracious. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he was game. I mean, he was right there. That is so not, cool. Not a, not a second flag. Oh my God, that is so cool. I love that story. Okay, so so you know you're funny. You're a little kid. Do you do school plays? Um, no, and no, no, I didn't do school plays. And then I was so unhappy in high school that I just like my whole purpose was to get out of my parents' house and go to college. Everything I did was informed by that one goal. And so my head was in my books, and I just wanted to Were you graduate. a good student? I was a good student, mm -hmm. and I graduated um, with accelerating. I, you know, I accelerated in school, mm -hmm. and so I, I was able to graduate high school when I was 16. Wow. Wow. And a weekend off, and then I went to college. Where would you go to college? Albany. You didn't go that far, so but you went far enough. But I, but it was as far, right. you know. I had a choice. I, I had a choice between going away and going to a state school or going to a um, free city school and right. staying home. And there was no fucking way <laughs> I was staying home. So now, during this period of your life, this young period, I think this is during this period that you go to. Did you go to Israel? Oh, this was, I went to Israel before, the summer before I went to college. Okay, and so something interesting happened to you when yes. you went to Israel. I, I know Kathy's entire life story. You're going to hear the same stories over and no, over. No, but I but they're such great stories. She's, she's Her ass is buzzing, so she had to check her phone. <laughs> well, I just had to, um, I had to take it out of my pocket okay. because it was like, all right, so so while so, you're while you're looking, I'm just, is Tyson, Warren, Molly, Harriet Schott, hi Harriet. Karen, Christopher, oh, Eric, yeah, oh, Harriet's yeah. watching Christopher Cilio. Oh my God, from the China Club in New York. Hi, Chris. Um, uh, yeah, just so popular. No, it's for you. They're watching for you. You're popular. Yes. Stop the bullshit. <laughs> oh, <they're popular. laughs> All right, so tell us, tell us the Israel story. Um, well, um, okay, so I was 15, and I. Um, my parents sent me on this sort of this teen tour to Israel, but it was it was not like it wasn't like a like a fluffy teen tour. It was it was Histadrut was the organization. It was okay. real, you know, Zionist kind of uh, organization. Down and dirty. Yeah. Okay. And um, did you go work on a kibbutz while you were there? Yes. Yes. But I was not very good. I was not a very. I was not good. I was. I played. I was not good. I. I gave Jews a bad name. Let me put it that way. Um, I was bad for the Jews. Um, so um, I um, met my first love while I was there, and he was very funny. And I told him that he would make a really good comedian, and I was the first person to tell him this. Stop! I was the first that person. I yes, I was the first person to tell him this, and his name. Is Jerry Seinfeld. Wasn't that a good kicker? That's a good story. All right, but the story gets better. Okay, so he didn't know he was going to be a comedian then? Mm -mm. And you're like 15, 16? I was 15, he was 16 and a half. What? That's, that blows my mind because he started like a couple of years later. He started very young, didn't he? He started when he was about 
Yeah. Was he funny even though he oh, was Oh, he was very funny. That's why I told just him. Just naturally? Yeah, yeah, that's what I told him. And, and, and then years later, when I wanted to be a comedian, and I was too scared, I was like 25, um, uh, he and I were in touch, and he said, you'd make a great comedian. He, like, mentor, he mentored me. Wow. So we really yeah. like, you know, helped each other. Oh. Such a beautiful thing. So but I oh. helped him a little more than he helped me. <laughs> <Now>. <laughs> So, so he's he's not the Seinfeld we know. So, so how does this budding ro- what what happens there? What's the budding romance like? Well, interestingly, it goes back to my father's bowling alley because my father's bowling alley was in Massapequa Park, and Jerry grew up in Massapequa, which is the adjacent oh. town. His dad, Cal, mm-hmm. was a sign maker, and my father had, had done business with Cal before, and and. So Jerry and I would rendezvous at the bowling alley, and sometimes I would stay over at his house, mm-hmm. and sometimes he would come back to Little Neck and stay at our house. Because he didn't drive yet. This is just just post this, like post Israel. He didn't drive yet. This is isn't that isn't it my, it's mind boggling. This is like a crazy story. And what is your relationship? So okay, so how long did you and Jerry see each other? For a very short time. Um, that time. That time? I broke up. Yeah, I broke up with him. She broke up with him. I broke up with him. Does this make your mother cry to this day? No. No. She loves Tom. Um, um, Yeah, I broke up with him. Because? Come on, tell us. I just, um, I just, uh, you didn't like it. I wasn't feeling it. No, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. And, um, and then later on, when I went to Queens College for a semester, which is where he ultimately went, then we started dating again when I was about 19. And so, what was that like? So now he's already he's very different. Now he's already doing stand up, but not. No, he wasn't doing stand up yet. You know what? I was I was nineteen, and he then he must have been twenty. So he wasn't doing stand up yet. Okay. He probably didn't start doing stand up until he was like twenty one. Until he got out of school. You just mm-hmm. just maybe at the mm-hmm. edge of school. Okay. And so, what was it like when you guys were together the second time? It was we were. Uh, it's a huge difference between being 15 Hell and yeah. being 19. Right. So, let me just say it was different. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... I'm not saying... I'm not saying... I love this story. I don't, okay, I don't so, kiss and tell. So, when you, so when, you, when you guys split up, was it amicable? Was it... Did you break up with him again? Um... Yes, I did. <laughs> wow, twice. I guess wow. I did, but well, it was it was actually it was maybe it was more of like an understanding. I went back to I went back to finish my last semester mm-hmm. in Albany. Oh. Because I was student teaching and then mm-hmm. and then we lost touch for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then we and then we found each other again. And so now that so you guys have been in the same world for many, many years. Yes. So did you did you immediately fall into a comfortable friendship or was it awkward at first? Like, no, it wasn't awkward. Always easy. No, I mean, I mean, he's 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 a different person now than he was then. Yeah. He was enamored of me back back <laughs> in our, in our first time around. He was enamored of me. He used to write me poetry. Oh my god! This story just gets better and better. I love it. <laughs> um, he used to write me the most romantic poetry. And he used to want to do everything that I did. I graduated from January, so he wanted to graduate. In, <laughs> I graduated in January from high school. He wanted to graduate in January. 
and he just uh, and and then when I was working um, before I did stand up, I was working for this cosmetic company. I know <laughs> a private label cosmetic company, mm -hmm. and um, um, I was doing a trade show in L.A. So I came out and I stayed with Jerry in his apartment in West Hollywood. But this was post, you know, romantic relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were just friends, and he used to eat. He used to eat cereal in this in a big Pyrex bowl. And he called it his Jethro Bodine bowl. <laughs> and I'm and sorry. Jim Brogan lived. He and Jim Brogan lived in the same apartment complex. Jimmy was just here a couple weeks ago. I just wrote to Jimmy oh. today, as a matter of fact. Hi, Jimmy, if you're watching, I'm trying to get him to come do Women You Write. Oh, he what did, was he doing here? He did this. Oh, he did? Yeah, he oh, did this. Yeah, he was fabulous. Oh, good. He was terrific. He's wonderful. Yeah, he is great. Yeah. He is great. Um, but I didn't know, I don't know if he mentioned that he lived in the same, I, 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 I think maybe he did, actually. Maybe it he was, um, uh, I think on West Holm, I think it was. So, so now, so what's your relationship oh, with born. him like now when you see him? Jerry? Mm -hmm. I never see him. You never see him. I never see him. No. But you know, occasionally I'll get in touch with him. Mm -hmm. And is he is it like you have this like is that bond you from move the in past? Different circles. Right. You move in different circles. Right. But there's but there's that heart connection from all the way I, up there. I that's how I feel like that. Mm -hmm. I can't say how he feels. Okay. You know, I can't yeah. speak for him. Men, men, like men can that. be less Jason, are you sentimental? Absolutely. Are you really? Yeah, I think I don't think it's. I I think there are men who are more sentimental and mm -hmm. men who are but less. But you guys grew up together, um, right? You grew. You knew each other when you're kids. Those are yeah. special people. And if he was enamored of you at sixteen plus, he still is. There's a there's a place. He's okay. Well, no you know, it, you know, it could I'll be, and there could there could be, it could be a source of discomfort. How so? I, I don't want to get into this. All right. <laughs> Yesterday, as a matter of fact, I spoke on the phone with Paul Blumberg, who was my first love. Oh, wow. And um, I have known, we have known each other for almost 50 years. Wow. No, we've known each other for, I've known him since I was 12. Oh. And he was the first guy that I fell in love with. And it's so lovely that it is 50 years later, and we, he still check, we still check in on each other. Oh, and we that's still so talk nice. To each Where does he live? He lives in Ohio. He's lived in Ohio since a million is he years married? ago. He's he's married. Uh, he's he's been married a couple of times, as have I. But he's 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 currently married and staying married to a woman he's in love with, and he has children and grandchildren. And um, I was best friends with his sister. When he his parents owned the the hotel in the Catskills that we went to, the Green Acres Hotel. My father was the master of ceremonies. And oh his, wow! His parents owned it, and his mother ran it, and his father ran the back of the house. And and um, yeah, he was my. Um, I went up to him when I was like 12 with like puppy dog eyes and he said when you're 14 you're going to be my girl and when I was 14 I was his girl oh, wow. he, was, he was older how long did you go out, out um, just once a summer oh, but yeah. I loved him oh, for years how much older was he he I was 14 and a half I was turning 15 and he had just turned 19 wow that's a big difference it, it, back then it really was and so he he wouldn't even like Look, he wouldn't like hold my hand or anything in public. Cause I was like, like, yes, I know. That's jail bait. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Um, <laughs> you know, Tom, I was just talking to Tom about this last night that I was saying how when we were kids, how like months made a big difference. It's like, oh, he's older than I am. It's like, you know, he's like two months older than I am. You know? And um, 
but you know, now I have friends like it's I have a friend who's, who's eighty-one, and I have a friend who's twenty-three. Yes. You know, so and it means nothing. It means nothing. No. But back then, yeah, back then it was like um, real weeks was, meant. <laughs> you know, like Milan has a friend who's three weeks older than she is. <laughs> Hysterical. Okay, so you so you went through your Jerry thing. You did high. You did high school. You did college. You, my Jerry thing. Your Jerry thing. My Jerry curl. Your Jerry. <laughs> yes. People who are young don't know what that is. But Jerry think. curl. Jerry curl. It's like I don't, they have Jerry curl anymore. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. We can look it up. Can, <laughs> can we Google it? Can you Google Jerry curl? Don't you do all it? All right. All right. Okay. So um, Jerry curl. So um, okay. So J H is it J H E R I. So did did um. I mean, I got a teaching degree. I got a drama education degree. And I got a teaching degree because this is what your parents say. You should get something to fall back on. Get it to, but you didn't I, want to be a comic yet. What did you want to be? I wanted to do something in the arts. No, I, no, I knew I wanted to be a comic. When oh. I was 13, I decided oh. I wanted to be a stand-up comic. But it took me another 13, almost 13 years to do it because I was too scared. All right. But I knew that I wanted to do something that had to do with the performing arts. Um, but when I told my mother that that's what I was doing, she said, you should get a teaching degree to fall back on me having no confidence. I said, okay. And then I, then I fell back on it immediately and I taught uh -huh. eighth grade English for a year. And then I said, I don't wanna do this. Uh -huh. I had student yeah. taught for my year and then I, I opted to be a waitress and an actress because it's, it's, the starting pay Good for you. Well, no, you've been a, you've been <laughs> successful financially. I have not. I see. I, if I would have taught for one year, my whole life would have been my whole career. One year? Different. Well, you taught for one year. Look at, but but starting pay for a teacher in Tucson, Arizona, in 1978 was six thousand five hundred dollars okay. a year. My first year teaching, they hired me as this was my title, a part-time temporary per diem sub. <laughs> Which meant that I didn't get benefits, and I made, I made, I cobbled together a living by coaching sports and doing summer school. I think I made um, like close to seven thousand dollars. The same thing, Ridic yes. ridiculous. And this was 1976, 77. Yeah. So for me, the um, it was seventy-seven when I graduated. So yeah, the the drama teacher was taking a sabbatical, and I could have got yeah sixty-five hundred dollars a year, but I opted to be a waitress. Where I was making fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year to be an actress, but of course I waited tables way more than I acted anything during those years. But anyway, so so you did the teaching for a year. When you left there, you're still not a comic. So what are you doing when you left teaching? Well, I what I did was I, I went to I went out to California for a vacation, and um, I decided. I'm gonna come out to Los Angeles and I'm gonna become a stand-up comic. That's in my mind, that was my excuse why I wasn't doing it. So I went to oh, actually I went see. to visit Jerry in New York. Uh -huh. It was the summer of Sam. I went to visit Jerry. It was 77. Mm -hmm. I went to visit Jerry and I told him that I was thinking about doing this. And he said, Let's go over to Larry Miller's. So we went over to Larry Miller's apartment and Larry we, you know, Larry held court. He had big afro, and he said, "Yeah, you could do that." You know, so I moved out, and I and they gave me George Wallace's um, contact info because George was living out here, and um, um, he was uh, uh, writing on the Red Fox show. Why did you think you had to come out here to do it when they it were was doing an it excuse. there? It was, oh. it was my excuse. Okay. 
okay. It was my excuse. New York was too close. Mm. It was too mm. viable. So mm. I decided I would go all the way out there. That's mm. why I'm not doing it. So I didn't go near a comedy club, mm -hmm. basically. I didn't mm -hmm. go near it. I had lasted out here for four months. Okay, so what's the first st set? You, where did you do your first set? The first, well, the first time I was ever on stage was the summer of 77 in Philadelphia. I went on as an amateur at a club called Grandma Minnie's, mm -hmm. and uh, Joe Bolster was the oh, MC, and Rich Hall was there. What? Before Saturday Night Live? Oh, yeah. Oh, this was yeah. He was living in his car. Oh, God. This is Free Sniglets. This oh, is... wow. Anyway, so... Um, so I went on a couple of times, and then I, you know, I. Well, how did it go? How did it go the first? The time? first first time it went, it was okay. Okay. Second did time. you have like five minutes? No, no, I had like maybe three, maybe like a minute and a half, or two minutes, or something like that. <laughs> did but you take I, your class? What did you do? No, I I just did those two, and then I didn't go on stage again until 1981. Oh wow. But what no, what I did was I took mm -hmm. a stand-up class mm -hmm. with Dick Lord, mm -hmm. wow. and who died mm -hmm. last year, mm -hmm. and um. Uh, and Larry Amorous was in that class. Oh, God. And um, that gave me the nerve uh -huh. to, and Joe, and I actually re-met up with Joe Bolster, who helped me work on some material. And um, uh, so Dick Ward said, okay, you're ready to go to Good Times. He would, he would feed Good all, Times was my club. He would feed all the comics into Good Times. And which, I used to do it with Jimmy Brogan's brother. And he, he, he used to be the MC, and then and Rocco used to give me MCs. Rocco, that's right. Rocco, Rocco would give me let me MC on Thursday nights, and I had finally had to beg him for cab fare one way. Oh. Six dollars. You were already $6. like a stand-up legend by the time I was doing stand-up, though. You were already like well in. You were you were well on. I what year was that? I started in '85. Well, '80 and '85 is when I moved out here. And you were already like a. You were already like a. A person. Yeah, was already You're a person. <laughs> um, he would give you cab fare one way. One way. The other way, I would take the 104 bus down Broadway and across 34th Street to Third Avenue, and then walk down. Hysterical. I would say good times. Talk about misnomers. It was when once. Oh God! I mean, I I can't believe. And I met Rob Ross there. The first the first time I ever did stand up in New York, I met Rob Ross there. And his son Ben, ben. is about to do. I know. I'm saying it. I know. Oh, I have to get tickets. I saw it on Broadway, but I have to see oh, Ben. I did so, see it on Broadway. Wow. I mean, I I don't know Ben. I've never met Ben. I've but, met Ben. But, um, I mean, wow. I, know, I know Ben since he's little. He's starring as Evan Hansen in Evan Hansen, Dear Evan Hansen. Is Great. that the title character? Is that Dear Evan he, Hansen. He's, kind of he's the title okay. character, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, so so, you, um, so you're doing good times, you're doing stuff, and this is in the early 80s? This is 81. Okay, and then, so you have three, how, how do you start amassing time? Like, are you doing it every night? What are you doing? Um... Oh, you know, well, initially I couldn't get on every night, but as you started meeting people, you find more outlets and stuff. And, are you, and what are you doing to make a living? Um, I was when I first started, I was working for a private label cosmetic company. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. And then I started working one nighters pretty quickly because there were ones to work, and right. I was good enough that I could do it. So did you have to leave the city to do that? Jersey, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> upstate New York, Long Island, 
Um, so, I mean, what would I have to make? I, if I made $300 uh, in a month, I was, I was, you know, I was sitting pretty. So. Um, Were you living home? I was living in Manhattan. I had my apartment in Manhattan. How did you afford an apartment in Manhattan if you're making 300 a month? Well, I made a little more than 300. Mm -hmm. Maybe, okay. maybe 500. Okay. Yeah. My rent was 360. So you were squeaking by. I was squeaking by. Um, okay. And my father was still paying my health insurance. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, does that make and me really? How did your parents feel about you? <clears throat> Not good. Yeah. Although my mother, my mother was actually more supportive than my father. And my, I have a childhood best friend who now tells me that when my father used to visit them, they were, her, her father and my dad were army buddies. Mm -hmm. When he used to say, he say how disappointed he was in me that I was doing that. He, he really, you know, the thing is that, that you know, my family can be kind of conditional in... in Did you, I, maybe you didn't hear the top of the show, but I was talking about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so, you know, when I was on The Tonight Show, it was great. When I, when I wasn't working so much, it wasn't so great, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, I understand. So okay, so how did how did it start? So so you. My mother will still say, "I had a dream that you were an executive." <laughs> My mother. After doesn't. doing stand up for thirty seven years, being an actor, and everything, I had a dream that you were an executive. My mother's dream is that I marry an executive. All she wants me to do is get on J date, and I see you with a businessman. I have always seen you with a businessman. Oh man. <laughs> yes, I married an actor and a comedian. It wasn't. Her plan. So, okay, so you're doing one-nighters. When does it start to happen that you're actually, so, so did success come when you came out here? Is that? Well, you know, I came out here, I was with Steve Middleman. He was my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. We moved out together. I found his apartment. We go back to New York. We break up. And then my father assumed I wasn't going to move out of here. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm moving out. I'm just going to wait until October. So, um, I told Steve I want to keep the apartment because I found it, and uh, but I was flat broke. I had no money. Were your parents and, helping you? No, no. And um, so uh, I, I was. The apartment cost like seven hundred and fifty dollars a month, and it was way too rich for my blood. So I had to find another apartment. And and actually, Jim Brogan went around looking for an apartment with mm. me, and we ran into Jerry on the street, and he got into the car. And he was looking. Comedians in cars. He was exactly. <laughs> we, we were looking together. He he gave, he said, get a place that you can grow into. It was actually mm -hmm. very good, very good advice. And Mitzi, when I came out to visit Steve before we moved out permanently, mm -hmm. it was in March of '85. Um, he Steve arranged an audition for me at the Comedy Store, and Mitzi um, passed me, and then I could work. I mean, I used to work like six nights a week. That's fantastic. Any time I wasn't on the road, I was I was at the fantastic. Store. Yeah. And um, and then maybe you know you know less than six months after being here, definitely less than six months. Just a few months after being here, she was really working me. Started working me in Vegas and La Jolla, and then I started to be able to make money. And then I was really making money on the road. And then I was doing TV and then- Okay, so how did the TV start? What was your first TV gig? Um, well, my first national show was the very last Dick Cavett show on ABC. 
Carol Liefer, Richard Belzer, and I. Wow. And I was I was the only one who did a set because they were too big. Yeah. Yeah. They really were. Uh Um, And you know it was on at something like two thirty in the morning that they 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 were hiding the show at that point. Right. Um, But it was really thrilling for me. It was really thrilling. That was my first national TV show, and then. The next national TV show I did was The Late Show, but it was with Arsenio. Uh-huh. Joan Rivers was already uh-huh. gone. Uh-huh. Uh, and did, these, did these change your life? Did they start to change your life? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Because, and then other TV shows, you know, um, uh, Sunday Comics and, and Comic Strip Live. There were a lot of shows back then. There were so then. many mm-hmm. shows. And how I earned my health insurance the first time was when Bob Saget was a co-host on the CBS Morning Show. He, uh, he um, created a comedy corner and he would get us on the show and I earned my extra health insurance for the first time. That's so fabulous. Yeah, I mean, he did, a, he did that for a lot of us. That's so yeah, fabulous. That's great. So, okay, so tell us about The Tonight Show. Well, apparently... Johnny Carson. Apparently, I'd been seen for The Tonight Show before, and uh, I was deemed not ready, which I'm really glad. You didn't even know you were seen? <coughs> not the times that I had been seen before, no. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that, um, that I, they waited to put me on, because the pressure on, to do that show was, was really big. It was, it was, that was it, you know, The Tonight Show was it. That was it. And initially I was supposed to be on, boy, my voice just broke. <laughs> well, it's, I'm like, there you go. You've been talking about Johnny as I know, I was making me nervous. I was supposed to be on with Johnny, mm-hmm. and then I got bumped. So then I was on with Jay twice. Oh, and he was, was sub. He was subbing, mm-hmm. which was good because then I did panel. So then when they, they wanted me to be on with Johnny, I said, I said, I'd love to, but I really want to do panel. So they let me do panel with Johnny, so. And, and so what was that experience like? Oh, it was thrilling. First of all, it was the, it was the best studio. Uh, it was, you, you would stand on the floor and your, the entire audience was up. Your, so, your um, single camera was right in front of you. You know, when Jay took over and built his own studio, it was not, um, I've been in both those studios. Yeah. It was not good for the comic. Mm-hmm. It really, I played on all of the chair. It was not good for the comic. Um, to you were off to the side. Mm-hmm. Your solo, your single shot was a jib camera. The audience was down and mm-hmm. off. It was it was completely asymmetrical. Uh, it was not good for the comic. I see. It really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I only did that studio once. I think. The Jay studio? Yes, mm-hmm. the, the, when Jay mm-hmm. officially had the show. Mm-hmm. The other times, I, it, it was in the old studio. Okay, so tell us about... go. So now, you're going out there, and it's, jo- it's Johnny. Um, I'm trying to think if that was my first time. This might have been my first time with Johnny. <clears throat> I get out there, and I do my set, and I go sit down with Johnny, and he says, uh, he said to me, uh, that was very funny, very funny. And he said, how long have you been doing this? And I... I I said eight and a half long years. I mean, I really thought that was a long time. Eight and a half long years. And he said to me, "Well, you're getting very good at it." And I said, "I said thanks. So are you?" Because I thought 
I, I, it was like it was like a knee jerk reaction because I thought that's so condescending. That was so condescending. You're getting very good at it, and he loved it, and the audience loved it. Did he love it? Yes, he loved it. He loved it. And he was um, he was always very nice to me. He was always very nice, but he was an uncomfortable guy. Yeah. Well, what were the commercial breaks like? Oh. Um, did he talk to you or did he not? I mean, I think he was busy talking to Fred de Cordova, you know, the, the, the producer. The, yeah, he was talking to the producer about what was next mm -hmm. and what the next segment was going to be. So, you know, I, mm -hmm. I didn't take it yeah. um, mm -hmm. personally at mm -hmm. all. Was, he, was it the old days when you would smoke cigarettes on the set? No. Mm -hmm. It was past that? Yeah, yeah. it was past that. Those were the, those, that must have been the 60s when he was doing that, actually. Yeah. Well, it could have been the 70s. Maybe. I don't remember when the edicts started, but... Uh, I mean, I remember The Tonight Show when I used to watch it. It was an hour and a half, and it was in New York. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I used to I used to put the screen on dark so that I could sneak watch it when I was like a oh, little wow. kid, so my mother wouldn't you know would I was watching. You fixed the contrast? I did. I changed the contrast. When you had to get up from your bed, you didn't have remote control. Right. You had to get up and do it. Right. Yeah, hell yeah. I used to listen to... Um, <laughs> My family watching that was the week that was. I loved. It. Oh, I always I watched used to that listen. I would put. I would put my head at the foot of the bed and I would listen to it in the next room. They didn't let you watch. Oh, my mother let me. I was watch. too little. Mm -hmm. Well, I was the same age as you. I know, but my mother let me. My mother did. I had no. I was brought up by wolves. I oh, did whatever okay. I wanted. Milan's being brought up by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you're doing these shows. How do you get your first movie? What happens? How does that? Um, I can't even remember. I, it, wow. was just an audition, it was just auditions. So, so did you know right away, oh, I don't, I'm not only going to be a comic, but I'm going to be an actress as well. When, when did you make that decision? Well, I mean, I, at first I was doing the road too much and I was too afraid to not, to turn down the money so I wouldn't stay in town enough to audition. But mm -hmm. then I sort of bit the bullet and I had to stay in town, at least for pilot season. Mm -hmm. And then I started. Had you taken acting classes? <clears throat> yes, I did, I did take some acting classes. I took a cold reading class. Took a, but you know, I signed up for a scene study class, and then I was on the road for almost all of it. You know, right, right, stupid. right, right, right. But um, my first pilot was a network pilot for CBS, and I did it with George Clooney. I know. You know, I'm know. sorry, but the people in your life, you have to do. You George have to write Clooney, your book. Steven Tavolovsky. Oh my God, I love Steven. I know. Um, Phyllis Lyons. What was the show? It was a horrible show. It was called Hot Prospects. Okay. It was about a restaurant slash brothel. So this is, was this George's first show or? It was. Up there. It may have been his first pilot. Mm -hmm. It may have been. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he'd done pilots before. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he was, he was definitely, no, he may have done pilots before. It was de he was definitely no. Uh, a commodity. Mm -hmm. He was a commodity oh. at that time. Was he? Um, was he was he, the star of the show. Was Was he as? Was he charmed? I, I he was a he doll. Was always charmed. He was a doll, and any time I've run into him since, he's been a doll. Such a nice man, and loyal to his friends, loyal to all of his friends. Wow, nice. Yeah, nice. I get. He's that. somebody that I I don't think has changed much with things. Bridget, I love you, Bridget Clooney. His. Uh, Aunt, even though she's young, like isn't she a cousin? Is she? Are they cousins? I think she's his aunt. Oh. I don't know what you, but but it's close, right? And okay. uh, I love you, Bridget. Um, so okay, so George Clooney. I'm sweating so much. Is and I think is it hot in here? See, I finally feel cool. I don't know. I'm sweating. Oh, you're under lights. It's, it's the lights. lights. Yeah. 
Oh, we have like nine. And I don't wear antiperspirant. I wear deodorant. Okay, what's the, what's the difference? Well, antiperspirant keeps you from sweating, so I'm sweating. Oh, but hopefully I don't. Don't smell. smell. You don't smell. Okay. Okay. Smell. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So now, so you're doing uh, so white oleander. What, what, tell me about that experience. Mm. Um. It was with Ellen Ellen Lewis cast, and she's she's a friend of Jonathan Katz. Um, but I had auditioned for her for something. You did else. a lot of Jonathan Katz. Um, well, John, I did his. Um, I did the pilot for his oh, wow. uh, Doctor Katz. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he. I know you did a lot of Doctor. Larry Katz, Miller, yeah. Don Herrera, and I did the pilot <laughs> for that show. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I'm trying to think. That wasn't. I, I, I don't think that was the first. Uh, I don't think that was the first movie that I, that Ellen brought me in on. Mm. But um, it was a, a plot point in in the movie, and I had such short hair. I had gotten a really short haircut. It was horrible, <laughs> and I looked like I looked so bad. I really looked so bad. Um, but it was still thrilling to do that. It was really thrilling to do it, and we did table read. And everybody was there, and I read, I, you know, I read, I wrote it down in an elevator with Michelle Pfeiffer, and, and uh, Renee Zellweger was there. And it pretty was, sweet. It was, yeah, it was pretty. Were they nice to you? Yeah, anybody yeah. I anybody I worked with was nice. And and what's her name? Uh, Alison Wellman, who played the lead, the young girl, mm -hmm. was in every single scene. Wow. Wait, you said everybody you've worked with, you've never worked no, with No, everybody, anybody, anybody in that film. In that film, come on, you had to have worked with people who were assholes nice. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there just are in yeah. business, in oh, every yeah. business. Okay, so, and was well, your- I'm not gonna say who they are. No, of course not. So, <laughs> I'm so, not. so, no. So your first, your first, your first major recurring role, Carolyn City, is that, was that your first? Yes. And so how did that happen? And that had to be a life changer. I would well, say. what happened was I went to network on that uh, show to be, to play the part that um, Amy Peetz oh. ended up playing. Oh. Um, and, uh, but they asked me to be in the pilot, to be a guest star in the pilot to help sell the show, and mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And then I was writing on Roseanne at the time, and then the next year, they asked me to write on the show, and I said, well, I will if I can be on the show, too. Nice. So Nice negotiation. <laughs> so um, I was a recurrent character on the, on the show. Um, okay, so let's talk about Roseanne for a minute. I'm um, not going to say anything mean about I'm not, I, I'm not asking you to say anything mean. I'm asking you to tell, to tell the truth. So what yeah. was it like for you? Because I, Well, I, you know, I met Roseanne when yes. I first moved here in 1985. She moved a little before I did. Mm -hmm. She moved from Denver. And she became a star like the Rodney Dangerfield thing. It was boom, overnight. Yeah. Well, no, it was when she went on the Tonight Show. No, it was the Young Comedian special with Rodney. I think. I think it was it. No, was no. that after? That was before Johnny. No. She did it with Bob Nelson, and I used to be left. I I think that thing was really? Sam Kinison and Bob Nelson and Roseanne. I think the, the Rodney thing is what made her a star. She, but I don't know. Well, let's we can look up okay. when when that. Um, when that was, but I can tell you that in 1985 she did the Tonight Show, and so I think that's the same year she did the Rodney Dangerfield thing. I, it it okay, was so right there. So, yeah. 
but she became an instant star. Yes, 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 yes. After that shot. Oh, and, right. I even remember that. And that Engelbert Humperdinck was on the show, and she, and she started opening for him after oh. that. And then she got the show mm-hmm. Roseanne, mm-hmm. and then. <clears throat> And then so I you knew her, her as a you knew her as a she comic. She was delightful. Yes, yeah. she was really. So you knew her as a comic, and then she brought they, she brought you on the show to write. Is that how that happened? Um, I don't know. If she, I mean, they were looking for women, and I think Lois Bromfield floated my name mm-hmm. because Lois was already writing on. And how long did you write for Roseanne? Just a year. <laughs> we had a run in. Every, everybody has a has a story about writing yes. on that show. We had a run in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then I went straight sense? to Carolina in the city. Um, I no, I haven't seen her in ages. Okay, ages. Um, okay, so I'm not going to get into controversial things like ask you what you think about what happened and Louis C.K. and all of that stuff unless you want to have an opinion that well, you want to put forth. Well, you mean did something else happen with Louis something, C.K. Well, just, today? Yeah, not or yesterday. Yesterday, what because happened? he reached out to Roseanne. Yeah, he reached out to Roseanne to commiserate um, their situation and how, and, and the art, the basis of the art, Norm MacDonald put forth this thing yesterday that I read like this article that I'm going to butcher, but he was basically saying that only Louis and Roseanne know what it's like to lose everything in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, how about yeah. F.W. Woolworth? <laughs> how about everybody who lost <laughs> stuff in the stock market? Um, I guess of... of Showbiz variety, although I, I think doubt, you know, I doubt it. I, and I, I doubt, fucking doubt. And especially now, um, but but they are two people who literally in in one day in in one day kind of right. lost everything. Yeah, and and Louis. But you know what? There was a lot of stuff leading up to it. A lot of stuff leading up to it. We only saw the one day turn. That's right. But all those. Days that's that he was right. jerking off, that's all those right. days that she was acting crazy, all led up to that. That's right. And so he was—he's already put. There was his, a, there was a, there were not two innocent people before no, that. No, and he's already doing stand up again, and I guess yes. he said very <clears throat> some, in, like there was no remorse in the stand up, which was which has infuriated a lot of people. And you know, I, I'm actually shocked. I really thought he was going to be he's, smart. He's not at all contrived. I thought he was going to be smart, and I thought he was going to come back and he was going to use it and become like a feminist mm-hmm. and do something good and use his power. You mean, you mean do it like with like with forethought? Oh, you mean kind of like like manipulatively? No, 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 no. I thought he was actually going to be a, become a do-gooder from having lived that experience, mm-hmm. and I thought he was going to use his power and his art and his intelligence and his talent. To do something good for women after fucking them over, and I'm shocked that there isn't remorse and contrition. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm surprised. It's not what yeah. I expected. Yeah, so, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. So um, Mark Mark is saying uh, Roseanne first. What was it? Well, glass, glass first of first. Yeah, go ahead, tell us. Roseanne first night show 1985 and Roseanne Dangerfield special 1986. Thank you so much and thank you Mark Sweetman and thank but you. But it's very possible that she shot the Other Dangerfield special mm-hmm. before she was on the Tonight Show and it aired in 86. It's very possible. It's because possible. She shot it. She shot she did uh, 85 it was late in 85. Mm-hmm. I know that. It's possible. Yeah, I actually I remember that Tonight Show set. Now that I'm thinking about it, I, it was I, when I, she did the domestic guys, right? And, and I and I and remember that Rodney show was. Whoa, Sam, yeah. her, 
Bob, and uh, that was quite a show. I don't remember, there were like two others and I can't remember who they were, but that was an amazing show. Um, Sam, that was the first time I saw Sam Kinison and, and that was a life change. Seeing him that night was an absolute life changer. What a guy. Yeah. Did you know Sam? Yes, from the comedy store. I met him at that place in New Jersey, I mean, not Queens a couple times, Linda's place, whatever that was called. But anyway, Jimmy's. Jimmy's place. Jimmy, Jimmy's right. com Comedy Alley or right, something. Right, right, right. there a couple times, but right. what a character. Loved him. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so so you got Caroline in the City, and that had a run for you. Yeah. That, that was... I'm still getting 12 cent checks. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So, so long ago. So you moved, so, so let's get current. So you, you had this spot on Modern Family, you've had like things. I had a, I had a good uh, year. I had a good year. You had a really good year. Yeah. You had a really good year. So I'm dying up there. I'm dying up here. here. Right. So um, everyone you know is on that show. <laughs> like you know everyone. So what is that like when you're on the set and like Rick Overton? Oh, and it's, so, it's just so fun. It's just so fun. I mean, Rick and I work together. Dom and I never work together. Uh huh. Um, but Rick and I worked together during poker games, mm -hmm. and it just is so much more comfortable. And then it was also very surreal, even though this it takes place a little before my time. Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, I'm, I'm around young comics, um, and I'm like an elder, mm -hmm. you know. So it's 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 very surreal. Yeah. So, okay, Kathy, so before we go, there's one more topic I wanted to okay. touch on, that, and that's your one-woman show. Okay. And so, and, and we haven't even gone anywhere near there, but um, this is a huge part of your life. Yes. So, so tell us a little bit about why you wrote your one-woman show. And well, I'm, and I'm rewriting it now. Okay. Um, because um, I am a recovering anorexic. I've been uh, anorexic since I was 19. And um, I really feel, and this is the hardest, this is the hardest thing that I've ever done. And still, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, when, it, when it's actually, when it actually happens, I'll be more shocked than anyone. But well, you've done it. I've seen, I've seen pieces of it, pieces and it's brilliant. Oh, you're very kind. No, I'm not very kind. It's okay. the truth. It's Thank the you. truth. It's but the, big, the scary part for me is tell, that. Tell the title. Does this show make me look fat? <laughs> the scary part for me is that it's not all funny. Right. Because a lot of it is very serious mm -hmm. because of the nature of the story and, and you know, who I was growing up and uh, what my family was like and why I became who I was. And, you know, I've learned through a friend of ours, I've learned that anorexia is, ge you're genetically predisposed to be become anorexic. Is that so? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, I just learned that because our So you our could friends, you test somebody to find out if they've got the gene? I don't know how huh. much advancement they've made in that, but mm -hmm. I, I there there is some aberration on a, on a chromosome that predisposes someone but doesn't necessarily mean it will manifest. But it's not like hereditary in terms of your parents are not necessarily anorexic, but they've no. got the gene, they've got the chromosome. I don't, yeah, yeah, right. So your sister doesn't necessarily have the chromosome. No, right, okay. not necessarily. Okay. And, um, and even if you do, mm -hmm. even if you, if you, you, 
even if you are predisposed, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you, you could well, bypass it. So environmental other, factors? Other environmental factors, um, familial factors, you know, it has to be, there has to be a Petri dish that's, um, mm. that's uh, conducive to it, um, you know, can you Can you point to for yourself um, I mean, you've done a lot of work on this, so I'm sure. A lot. So can you point to when you first noticed it or what the, what the first thing was that... Um, well, I can tell you the, the catalyst. Okay. That, the, what I always go back to, mm-hmm. what, when, it, when it started to kick in for me was when I was in college, I was about um, 19, and I was uh, be- very best friends with this girl in college, and um, we were almost too close. Mm. And we were in a living situation that we weren't very happy with. There was an, an apartment with four people, and we weren't very happy in the situation. Her sister was one of the four, and her younger sister, and um, I, um, and neither of us was happy, and. and and so I went down to my parents for the weekend mm-hmm. and um, talked to my parents about it. And she said, you know, look, whatever you decide to do is fine. If you want to move out, it's fine. She mm-hmm. says, I've decided I'm going to stay, but mm-hmm. whatever you decide to do is fine. Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand. So I decided that I was going to move out. Mm-hmm. And when I told her that, she just stopped talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I never had had an experience like that mm-hmm of feeling so abandoned Mm -hmm. and that's when I started to really go on diets and so what's the and I was determined that no one was going to hurt me again and that I was going to be perfect I was going to be perfect so it was about okay so did you perceive yourself obviously you must have perceived yourself as being overweight if if you went on a diet yeah I mean I weighed a little bit too much for my liking I weighed, I weighed 127 pounds. Don't, don't even, don't hmm. start. I'll smack you. All right. <laughs> but I'm a, so, I'm a small frame. I would kill. Anyway, All right. All right. so, so. I'd like to see someone actually kill. Yeah. To do that. <laughs> I, I once had a joke about that, that I would kill Sarah Palin for something, and I actually lost a close friend who, like, unfriended me on Facebook and unfriended me in life because I made a joke that I would kill Sarah Palin, in quotes. Really? It was like some throwaway. Yeah, it was really horrible. Why did she like Sarah Palin? She did. But, oh, well, um, who needs a friend like that? <laughs> we're actually um, reconnected on Facebook now. But, by the way, I just want to say, in, in terms of manifesting... Yes. I sent an email yesterday to um, Hillary Rodham Clinton's a person. What, say the name again? Hillary Rodham Clinton's remote person. Yes. And he wrote me back today, and he said that he forwarded it to the right people. And so I will not rest until she sits in this living room. That's the, that's oh the, that's, my god! That's the thing I'm, I'm manifesting right that's now. That's fantastic. I, I have her booked on the I, show. I am determined because she's I, already booked on the because show. Because that's right, she's already booked. Because I am determined that I can show her humanity that we haven't seen yet. I am determined because there is a mother. There's a there's a woman in there that had that we haven't gotten to just chat with yet. And right. I want to chat with her. So I'm determined. But anyway, um, so what were we saying? So you were talking about. So it was the first time that you, so the, the, the sense of, I'm going to be perfect. Yes, and, 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 um, and, um, and it really, like, it dovetailed with the national obsession of being skinny. 
So. Oh, okay, but this is post, way post Twiggy and all of that. Well, it's it's not. This is nineteen. I was uh, twelve when Twiggy was around. Okay, so this is. But, but supermodels were still skinny. Well, nineteen. So this when I was nineteen, this was nineteen. Um, wait, when I was nineteen in in nineteen seventy three or something. Yeah. Right. So now. Um, so, but supermodels were always skinny, yeah. and 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 they were extraordinarily skinny yes. for a, for that time. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So I mean, they still are. They, they, they still, still are. are. They it's, are. A, it's a very it's a very sad thing, and I think that um, we've really got to wake up as a society and see um, and not be so shocked that young girls are doing this. How um, did, did, have you been able to draw the line between like why rejection got tied into food? Is it is it the chromosomal thing that that pulled those two things together? I mean, why that? Why food and not I don't know what else it could possibly be. I was I predisposed know. to this. I'm predisposed. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was not predisposed to be an alcoholic or a drug mm-hmm. addict. You know. Any drugs that I did, I did with such moderation, mm. such moderation. Good. Um, and I was—I ne- never really loved drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but I loved the rush that I would get from being thin. Mm. I still get—I still get a rush when I'm when I'm feeling like I have like a thin day, but I feel thinner. On, on a particular day. Did you ever read that Stephen King story? It's a great story. Thinner. It's called Thinner. No. Somebody. Oh God, I'm not oh, even telling. It's a short story. It's fantastic. Oh, I have to read it. It's oh, fantastic. Okay. It's okay. not in a good way, but it's fantastic. <clears throat> is it? Is it? It's, in a it's collection of stories. Yeah, it is, and I can't remember what it's called, I'll find but it. it's really good. And in fact, Gabe and I had heard it on an. We heard Stephen King read it. It was an audio, oh, wow. and we listened to it. And I also want to give a shout out while we're talking about this to our friend Ed Krasnick. Yes, and he's actually the one who told me. About the okay. genetic. Is that so? Yeah. Wow. So, um, yes, our friend Ed Krasnick, who is a wonderful man, a hysterically funny person, a warm hearted and generous oh, and such kind a and loving man. man. Such a god. Oh. His, his daughter is suffering now from anorexia, and mm-hmm. so he, they need some help and support. And it's such, it is, you know, you speak to any psychologist and they'll tell you that it is one of the hardest diseases to treat because it's really wily. It's very, very cunning. Mm. Um, we know because you have to eat. It's not like you can stop a substance. No, but I'm, but I'm saying what I'm saying is that you know there's a lot of dishonesty. Mm. There's a lot of there's just you know there's just yeah. But that's with every every like with addiction with with but alcoholism. but but you speak to any any yeah. mental health professional, mm-hmm. they will tell you that anorexia is harder to treat than anything else. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I would think one of the reasons it's hard to treat is because food is something, it's not like alcohol where you can say, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Well, you have to eat. It's hard. It, that's why it's, it's, it's a, it's a dicier recovery, mm-hmm. but, but, um, the actual, I'm talking about the psychological the illness, treatment of it mm-hmm. is, is, is tricky. So it was writing your is writing your show is doing this is this a healing thing for you? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I am too. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on Monday. I love doing theater. I love it so much. Wanna do more? 
Yes. When but I, I can't afford, you know, it's like it doesn't pay anything in LA. Have you ever auditioned for Broadway? No. Why? I just never had an opportunity. Might be something to consider. I would love to audition for something on Broadway. I think you should. I think it's gonna happen. I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Right. I think you're on Broadway. I'm on Broadway. There's your Tony right over there. There it is. <laughs> oh wait, it's my water bottle. Okay, so close. Kathy Ladman, I love you so much. Oh. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm I so glad that you're here. I adore you, and I can't wait to see you on stage next on Monday. This Monday, I'm so excited. Please come. Please come. It's a okay. great benefit. So Jewish, Jews, Jews Christians, and screwing Stalin. Go to uh, place 411 slash matzo balls. <laughs> and um, if you're going to come on Monday, uh, put Carrie in the promo Snow. code Carrie, Carrie or Carrie Snow. Oh, I don't know. What Ooh, do I forget? I, we'll look it up and I'll put it in the notes. All right, good, good. Okay, and um, because the proceeds are going to Carrie. And uh, there are five performances left. I would love for you to come see us. I'm having so much fun. I just love this cast so much. All right. Well, and and where can they see you uh, on TV? Um, um, I don't think I'm, there's anything coming up. All right, there will be. Yeah, there is. Eventually, there is. There's, yeah, there's something there's, coming up. There's, there's something coming up. You'll see her there's soon. Something coming up. Jason, thank you for uh, for being uh, the wingman, and then. What a treat to sit in with you two. We didn't even let you say a word. We didn't even let you say a word. We're like two, two Jewish girls yakking away. Christina, thank you so much for being back oh, there. That was fun. Fun. And uh, we'll see you next week. Ooh, next week Bernard Fowler, who has sang with the Rolling Stones for the last thirty plus years. Wow. He is the he's the backup voice in the Rolling Stones. His song, uh, To Thyself Be True, was the theme song of my show. It's the thing I grew up. His voice, I love him so much, and I have never met him in person, and I am so excited. I've seen him on stage so many times. I'm so excited. So Bernard's going to be in the living room. Oh, my week. God. I'm excited. So exciting. I am excited. I'm excited. And so we'll see, and thank you, and I love you. I love you, too. And we'll see you next week on, ooh, that was on the lips, on Game Changers. See you then. Is that okay if I was on the lips? Yes. Are we still...